You don't have to lie, just tell her to ignore when I'm lying. This is episode 59 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And what did we watch today, Alex? Murder mystery. I tried to think of a way to make that a mystery and I couldn't. Oh, the mystery was when I asked you and then you solved it because you're the greatest detective of all time. I am. You did develop a lot of your detective skills in your short stint as the uh, enemy of the census cowboy. Yeah, that was... It's a few days past that, but uh, I I became a supervillain to take down the census cowboy for a while there. Um, and then the census cowboy said, fuck the police. And I was like, can't hate that guy. Um, so me and him are going to team up later. Yeah, uh, but you will learn... You know, the you learned that you had a common enemy. It's all good now. Yeah. Um, I still don't trust the horse. Horses are weird, you know? I don't like horses. I've never seen a horse not at a fair or at a place where cops were trying to be threatening. Have you Uh, ever ridden a horse before? No. What? Dude, their heads are so big. I don't want to get anywhere near horses. They're so fun. They're like giant dogs that you can ride. I've ridden a dog. Well, imagine that, but like hooves. It, I fell off every time I rode that dog. It wasn't a good time. I don't think I would like to ride a horse. Um, they're too big. Their mouths are too big. <laughs> I didn't know this about you. They, they're, well, whenever you see them, a cop's on top of them and they're being mean. Not, I've seen like maybe two horse cops. I saw them like every few weeks when I lived in East Lansing because they would... Be like, hey, don't drink too much or we'll horse cop you. And I'm like, what are you even doing? <laughs> Why? Why are there horse cops in this area, though? <laughs> the city <laughs> runs off people being drunk. That is the number one, like, money maker. But yeah, whatever. Horses are, horses creep me out. A significant amount of horses fought for the Confederacy. Yeah. About half. <laughs> um, there's, there's only one horse in... The movie Murder Mystery. So, it gets a pass. There's a horse in the movie? They drive a Ferrari, and I'm counting it. Because that's a horse. I don't buy it, but... You know, Alex, we are watching a lot of movies. Maybe it's addled your brain a little bit. We're mm-hmm. watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent films in a row every day and podcasting about it. This marks 59 of 60. Why are we doing this? And why are we going to stop right now? Why aren't we watching the next movie? That's the mystery. That's a joke. We're, we're watching the next what? movie. You you threw me off my like rhythm by adding in a non sequitur that made me have to answer <laughs> a question and then answering it. I don't want to read my thing anymore. Oh, spoiled for it. Well, it it doesn't make sense when you didn't ask me a question. It's just me monologuing to the to the, the world. Well, why are we doing this? Why are we podcasting? Why no, is this a podcast? I, I was reading the back of a book, back of a mystery novel that that someone reads in the movie. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense now. Um, blah, 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 blah. These are the elements which make up one of the most complex and fascinating of Adam Sandler's hoarded scandals. Will those letters come to light and prove once and for all if we should hate Adam Sandler? Um, and there's some stuff in there about a diary. Delete that. Okay. Should we hate Adam Sandler? We're already in it. We're not going to. No. Um, I mean, Wrong Missy could be really bad. It ha- It would have to be the most racist, awful movie. I think Rob Schneider's in the movie. so we, it, yeah, There's a chance. There's a chance. Um, I don't think it was written by Dana Carvey, who I now do think might be racist. 
How many stars of sand and layers? Uh, it's a two-star sand layer film. Uh, it was produced by the Happy Madison crew, and it stars Adam Sandler. Um, this was written, though, by uh, James Vanderbilt, who hasn't written anything else um, within the oeuvre of Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah, he like how I pronounce that now? No. Um, but he did write or produce Zodiac, which apparently a lot of people like. Um, I think Zodiac sucks. And he wrote the new Independence Day, uh, which I think is the better one. Because I haven't seen it and I just like to assume sequels are better. The, the movie is fun. It stars Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, so it's it's their second film together, I think. I guess it's their only second one together. I don't know why I've thought that there's more. It seems like there have been more. I, I wish they did do more. Uh, she is my, I think, favorite. I, I don't want to... It, it sounds rude. Like, non-lead female comedic actor. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. I don't want to watch a movie... Just starring Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. But Jennifer Aniston with other funny people is almost always a good movie. Yeah, she's pretty funny. Like even the very uncomfortable player or person she plays in uh, Horrible Bosses was really good. Um, and Office Space was really good. Oh, yeah. I forgot that she was in that. Yeah. But uh, I haven't seen a lot of her stuff. She's done a lot of stuff. I actually saw something humorous where uh, someone was complaining like, oh, I guess Jennifer, An- Jennifer Aniston will take any movie now. And then it's like, she's always just taken, like, any comedy movie. I mean, quote, quote, any. She's been in a lot of really good comedies. But it's like, she's always been a comedic actor. And Just like, Go With It was a funny movie. Well, they're talking about, like, I don't know, the, the we're the Millers and the Switch and the Bounty Hunter. She's been in a bunch of very good movies. Spending some more boringish ones. But Sometimes whatever. people just want to be in a fun movie, or they just yeah. need a job. Like it's fine. Yeah, she without a doubt never needs to work again in her life. She could have just sat in her house after Friends, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, let me guess the ratings. Syndication. Uh, yeah, I left thirty six times. It's pretty funny. Um, I had seen it before, so it's pretty good for a movie that you've seen before. Yeah. Um, it, it was a while back I saw it, and. I still think it was pretty funny. I think a lot of the laughs were, like, just genuinely funny, too. Like, a lot of it was funny situations. There wasn't a lot of slapstick involved. No, I mean, there's some stuff where it's, like, this movie is way more relatable than people would give it credit for. Yeah. Uh, Because there's shit, like, they go to a rich party, and then Adam Sandler's just eating the shrimp there, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, how do they make the shrimp taste this good? Like, stuff like that. Just the, um, the whole tone of the movie is so good for me. Um, I mentioned that a couple times when we were watching because the the background tone is this murder mystery involving a bunch of really rich people. Mm-hmm. But the foreground tone is Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler who are like middle class American tourists popped in the middle of this. And it's yeah. so funny. Who have like some friction in their marriage right now. And friction in their careers and such. Yeah. Um, and the, one of the things that I've... Uh, I want you to guess the ratings, but I will say... Ah, shit, you have to guess the ratings first before I do the... Okay. But I will say, otherwise I'll give away um, part of it. I think that critics rated this probably like in the 50s. Um, I will go ahead and pinpoint it. 52? Yeah. And I'll say that 
Audience gave it like a 71. Critics gave it a 44. That wasn't that far off. Audience gave it a 42. Low. Uh, That's yeah, low. Only 918 user ratings, whereas this was one of the most watched movies on Netflix like ever. Yeah. Uh, when it came out, had like 30 million views. People aren't rating stuff anymore as much. Um, no. This metric really doesn't matter in the bigger scheme of things. Uh, people tend to rate stuff that they don't like. Um, and people that take movies very, quote unquote, seriously <laughs> will rate Adam Sandler movies bad because they want to look smart. There's an unfair bias. People don't like movies that he's in and they want to look cool and smart for disliking him. But uh, there's a lot of people who say that Adam Sandler's performance in this movie was extremely lazy. And I'm like, you fundamentally don't understand what the straight man is in a comedy. Like, David Spade in Black Sheep isn't doing a lazy performance. He's not where the comedy's happening, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the idea that that he's not, like he's not making very many jokes. He makes some, like, daddish, middle-class jokes a lot. But, like, what do you want him to, like, act up? Having a realistic performance of, like, a... Normal American is lazy. No, it's just him acting the part. So the rest of the stuff has it. Um, he's, <laughs> what do they want him to do? Yeah. like <laughs> I love the idea, though, that it's it's lazy that he isn't, what, doing a voice now? He can't no. win, the poor guy. Yeah. Th- this is, I think, the, the worst written review is... Adam Sandler is a genius, sure, but I'd love it if he were to smarten up too, which is, I think, a reference to the Get Smart series. I don't know. But I was like, that's one of the worst written reviews I've ever seen. If you've seen an Adam Sandler movie anytime this century, you know what you're getting, and it's not interesting or funny. Uh, Murder Mystery isn't going to spell the long-standing rumor that the Sandman mostly makes movies as an excuse to go on paid vacations, using his happy mass and production shingle as a personal t- travel agency. And this is... They go to Italy and Monaco in this movie and film there. Alan Covert probably is there too as producer. We see him in a bit part. The thing that bothers me... They make a shit ton of money, guys. Like, that's not a valid criticism. When you're making money to do it. If I go to Hawaii on a business trip and make a hundred million dollars, I'm not taking advantage of my business, <laughs> you fucking idiots. Okay, so they're also filming on location. Yeah. And there are so many people who get really mad when people don't film on location. Like, okay, let's say mm-hmm. they're going to film in Atlanta because Atlanta gives like a bunch of money mm-hmm. for whatever. But they say that it's in Tokyo. People are going to be like, oh, that's not Tokyo. Ah, that's clearly Georgia. Like, they're going to do shit like that. I just think it's unfair. It's, it's very unfair. People film on location all the time. It makes sense for the movie where they are. It, and it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Um, well, why does Adam Sandler need to make a money? Need to make an excuse yeah. for money for a vacation? He doesn't. He's very rich. Yeah, people forgetting. He he might not be in the the rich wealth of the people in this movie, but he could certainly buy buy a house in every city they go to, and just have it. 
He has 400, his net worth is $420 million. I will say, net worths are, people don't actually know. That is their assumed net worth based on how much money he's made on things. They have no idea the amount of money he's giving to people or spending or doing. Um, I think he doesn't spend much money. I do think he supports a lot of people. I'm looking at his house. He has a lot of money. I know he is extremely rich. I'm saying that I wouldn't be surprised if he has more than that. That's not a... Yeah. It's it just those those things are not accurate. That's. I mean, that's fair, but... He doesn't need, yeah, the, what I'm saying is he, he like, just does not need yeah. <laughs> to make an excuse to go on a vacation. And all these uh, movies where he goes, like, on location with people, he's not bringing a bunch of people. If yeah. he wanted to make a movie vacation, he would have taken the crew from Grown Ups and actually gone somewhere. Yeah. You know? But I already, in the Grown Ups episode, I mentioned, like, the weather was awful where they were filming. It was cold and crappy. Yeah, they had to, Not sunny at all. They had to edit in sunshine into that movie. And the second movie, they also don't film anywhere on location. If he wanted to make a vacation, why would <laughs> well, he take actually, all his friends? they go to a water park, you know, something that costs about $22, so. Wow. Actually, big spender. Um, Not even a great water park. Yeah. <laughs> Just the, like a normal mid-tier water park. Literally, he lives pretty close to a absolutely sick water park, too. You know the water park they go to in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Waterloo? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, I don't know the real name, but I went there with my dad when I was young. And it is the coolest shit in the world. They have one slide. It's just like a 10-foot slide and then just a 15-foot drop that you go into a pool. Well, that's the exact kind of water park I'm into. I gotta go uh, back to a fucking water park. That's that's my number one reason to move now is to find a good water park. <laughs> but yeah, there's. I think the the laziest uh, review is critics are right. The film isn't great. Says critic who works for NBC News. <laughs> like yo, sh- did you fucking watch it? Like you can't just quote other critics. That doesn't seem like a fair move. So there's a lot of references in the movie. Um, it's a pretty smartly made movie. It is not high art or anything. It is a murder mystery. It's a pulp movie. Um, and it's like, you know, much like the books Jennifer Aniston reads in the movie, it's supposed to be something fun and easy to digest. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that is the thing. No, you know, all movies have that. <laughs> to be very good. Every movie has to be uncut gems or better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if it's not, Adam Sandler sucks. That's that's yeah. the thing. It's very much the like, I really like both Blade Runner movies, but if every movie was Blade Runner, I'd fucking never watched a movie again, no. you know? If every movie took that much energy, it would suck. Um but yeah, let's recap it and then we can talk about sure. some stuff. Okay. Uh Nick Played by Adam Sandler, is a police officer who has yet again failed his detective exam. His 15th anniversary is coming up, and he doesn't want to tell his wife, Audrey, played by Jennifer Aniston, that he didn't get the promotion. Audrey is a hairdresser who loves mystery novels, and she's upset that they've never gone to Europe like he promised when they got married. And since he didn't have a big surprise for her on their anniversary, he lies and pretends that he had already booked the trip. So they go on the plane, and there, Audrey meets Lord Charles Cavendish when she sneaks over to first class. 
He invites them on a yachting trip with his family where he's planning to cause a scene because his fiance dumped him to marry his billionaire uncle, Malcolm Quince. They say no originally, but then the bus tour that they had booked looks absolutely awful, so they go. There, they meet the fiance, Susie, a Japanese woman, Colonel Ulenga, who saved Malcolm's life in a bombing, the colonel's bodyguard, Sergei, Grace Ballard, an actress, Juan Carlos, a race car driver who can't speak English, Vikram, who is a Maharaja, Toby, Malcolm's only child, and then finally Malcolm himself. Malcolm announces that his will is only going to go, his inheritance is only going to go to Susie, his new wife. And since the rest of them, the, the rest of them are leeches, he says, and everyone's very upset, uh, Grace ends up storming out, and he walks over to sign the will, and when he does, the lights go out, a gunshot goes off, and Malcolm is, when the lights are uh, on again, he is stabbed and dead. The main suspect is Toby, but that night Toby is shot and leaves behind a typewritten suicide note. So it's impossible to tell whether or not he committed suicide or whether he was murdered. When the actual inspector comes, who of course is a French inspector, they are um, referencing a lot of Agatha Christie novels here. Uh, he says that the two Americans are his prime suspects because Nick lied about being a detective and he doesn't trust liars. So while they're put up at a nice hotel, Nick and Audrey try to solve the mystery to clear their names. They try to question everyone at the Monte Carlo race, where we learn about French inheritance laws, that Susie has allergies like Audrey does, and that Juan Carlos's dad lost his legs because Quince cut safety measures on his race car when his dad worked for him. Uh, at the hotel, Sergey leaves them a note under their door to come to meet him in his suite. Um, and when they talk to him, he puts the blame on the colonel, whose French fiancé married Malcolm Quince when, uh, when the colonel was in a coma after the bombing. Uh, but she died in childbirth along with the son, according to Sergey. Then someone shoots Sergey through the door and kills him. Audrey and Nick have to escape through the window, and they see the colonel flossing his teeth in the next room. Then they find an empty room and hide under the bed with, when the Maharaja and Grace come in and try to have sex. In a, in a very, very funny scene. Uh, so now Nick and Audrey are wanted for three murders, and Audrey learns that Nick didn't actually pass his detective exam. So they have a fight about him lying. And he says something pretty rude about her job. And later, Cavendish picks her up, saying, "Like, like I got you into this mess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you out of Monte Carlo right now." Uh, Nick sees this. He also buys two phones from a little like bodega, and he uses one to track Susie by putting it in her uh, purse with the help of one of his coworkers back home in New York. Cavendish stops at his lawyer's when Audrey's in the car, and Audrey finds Japanese Claritin, meaning that Susie had been in his car recently. Uh, she goes inside, where she finds Nick, who had followed Susie there. Uh, they're shot at, though, uh, by an assailant that we don't get to see, uh, and they escape. They follow Susie on the street with the help of Juan Carlos, but a strange person in a mask shoots a blow dart into Susie's neck and kills her. Juan Carlos and Nick give chase, but Nick trips, uh, but he manages to whip a plate at the suspect and breaks the mask. Um, we don't get to see who it is at this point. They get on a Vespa and ride off. 
Audrey and Nick think they have the case solved, that it was Susie and Cavendish who committed the crimes. Uh, and they call the inspector to tell him that they'll be at Quince's Manor for the will reading, and they'll reveal the perpetrator there. But when they get there, uh, Nick is poisoned and dead. So they had to pretend that they know what's going on and hope that something works out. Like, they, they hope that because they know who didn't do it, maybe they'll be able to figure something out. So at the will reading, they uh, narrow down their options and they realize that the colonel's ex-fiance's child didn't die at all. And it was, in fact, a daughter, Grace. And since she's the only surviving heir, she'll get all the money. They also connect the blow dart to her because she was in a movie called Princess Blow Dart. And she admits to this, but she doesn't admit to the killings. Uh, however, the inspector ends up taking her hat off of her to... They suspect that she has a mark on her head because Audrey knows that she's wearing a hat over freshly done hair. And she says that's very suspicious. They pull the hat off and she has a mark where the plate hit her from earlier. Juan Carlos tries to um, intervene, but she hits him and then tries to hold Audrey hostage. But Nick ends up shooting her in the shoulder or the arm or something. Which is a very funny scene because Nick has been proven to not be good at aiming at all mm-hmm. throughout this movie. Um, and in fact, he was aiming for her foot, he said. Soon after, Audrey thanks Juan Carlos for trying to help. And he says that she's welcome and leaves. And then the Maharaja mentions how Grace couldn't have been the one who shot Sergei because she was in the bar with him an hour before they came up to the room to have sex. And I realize that Juan Carlos understood what Audrey said. And that means he spoke English all along. And they go chasing him. Juan Carlos kidnaps the inspector and holds him hostage, and Nick and Audrey get into a car chase, and they eventually cause Juan Carlos to wreck, and then he is hit with their tour bus. Uh, the inspector, the uh, Interpol v. the inspector, pays for the rest of their vacation, which is on the Orient Express. The end. I like that ending, too. Oh, yeah, Saying I loved it. For it. Another movie filled with tropes. Um, so what I liked is uh, not only are all the players that are could have been the murderers like tropes from murder mystery stuff yeah they make even references to clue um especially where adam sandler picks up a lamp to use as a weapon and when asked he's like what it's a weapon lamp is a clue no is it not it is not why do i think i think you're thinking a candlestick which i think is one okay candlestick is a lamp though so same thing that's an old school lamp new clue would have a lamp um <laughs> No, there are so many good murder mystery tropes. I think yeah. that the do-over is a better murder mystery than this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's like better composed and everything. Yeah. But this movie is perfectly passable, in my opinion. Yeah. As um, a murder mystery. It's very pulpy, um, rife with tropes, and I love the element of these two Americans stuck in the middle of an Agatha Christie novel, essentially. Yeah, and it's there are even tropes of he's a bumbling cop. He's he's bad at his job. Yeah, he's not uh, a detective. They mentioned many yeah, times. Yeah, he can't. And he, he crumbles under pressure is another thing. Mm-hmm. Then she just reads a bunch of murder mysteries, which is a trope in itself, is someone who, like uh, Murder, She Wrote. It's, it's an author who always stumbles upon murders. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my favorite is the, <laughs> I, I forget how Jennifer Aniston says it, but like right on cue, the... The tortured but brilliant French uh, detective 
who is insanely good at smoke circles. Yes, smoke this rings. is a direct reference to Hercule Poirot. Yeah. Um, he just needed a glorious mustache is all. And also Hercule Poirot is good at solving mysteries. Yeah. Uh, but he, that guy detective. actually, though, doesn't solve anything. No, He's, none of the cops solve anything. Yeah, which I do enjoy in it. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think you might have to have read a few murder mystery type things or seen a few things along this, like, pulpy mm-hmm. stuff. It's not hard to get into this kind of the tropes and understand what's no. going on. But I think maybe people might have had less fun if they didn't realize, like, the general being, like, at this is, like, yeah. it's just, like, a reference to this trope of, like, he's a dangerous, scary man, and blah, blah, blah. All of them, they're all such good tropes. Just everything about it, to be honest. Like, they're all, it's very, and then there were none, in that, like, the lights go off before someone's murdered, which I think is also in Clue, if I remember right. The, um, the movie or the game? Uh, the the movie the game the movie the game okay yeah the will reading with the big reveal uh the twist ending uh the only thing that it was missing really was a red herring there was a red herring the the japanese claritin well she was there like i mean but but you were supposed to think it was cavendish and suki and they weren't that was the red herring that's fair but what i meant is like a a completely innocuous thing that didn't matter at all. I, I think that would fit in that. Mm-hmm. But I think they also do a good job because you could put the clues together and figure it out beforehand. Yeah. That said, it wasn't supposed to be a huge reveal. It was, you know, pretty minor of who did this thing. Yeah, I mean, it was fun to follow along and, and try to figure it out. So kudos to the writer. Mm-hmm. And watching it again, because um, I had already seen this, I could tell... Grace, when she's hooking up with uh, the Majoram? Maharaja. Maharaja. She is phoning it in in that scene on purpose, being a bad actress. Yeah. Because she's an actress within the movie. Going like, oh, yeah, but Wow, she says. Yeah, like, wow. Um, (laughs) And then she she says her own name during sex and compliments herself. Yeah. but before, yeah, that I found more realistic than the fact that she's obviously not interested in this man. Yeah. And it's to set up an alibi. And I was like, you know, rewatching it, I, I did pick up on the fact that that was something they did within it. You know, it's a smart mm-hmm. move. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no part of it that contradicts itself. One of the tropes that I liked that they subverted was the Maharaja. Um, because in a yeah. lot of these British, a lot of murder mysteries, like the British style murder mysteries, are heavily steeped in colonialism. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have, like, um, there's, in a lot of these murder mystery novels, there is a, um, like, an Indian royal. Uh, because, you know, India was a British colony for a very long time. But for his character, they gave him, like, a Cockney accent instead of, like, a posh British accent, like you would expect. Yeah, and he, made him, uh, like, a very pop culture... He was, like, Ali G. Yes, he was very Ali G. Yeah, yeah. That would, that would be my closest... Uh... Yeah, I actually <laughs> thought Ali G when I was watching it. Um, and he makes uh, references to, like, American culture. Like, yes. Calls it, like, the, the 187 when someone gets murdered. Yeah. <laughs> it's... I liked that subversion. I thought that was very clever. But yeah, the the whole ship, like the family, the Quince slash Cavendish family, they're all British royal like people, except for Grace Ballard. I don't think she has a British accent, does she? Uh no, because she's an actress. Right. 
Um, she should have one, but she has lost it. Right. Um, so that's, I like all of that. That's great. The The Soviet bodyguard is such, like, that appears in Orient Express, Murder on the Orient Express. It was just fun. Yeah. They could have done more with it. They could have made the mystery more complicated, but that wasn't really the point. Yeah, the point was their reactions to it. Yeah. Um, the, the point was the comedic situation of people. It's like being a tourist inside of a murder mystery. It was. I love that premise. It was so cute. And I would mm-hmm. watch another movie like it. I would love to see their their take on Murder on the Orient Express. And uh, one thing they really touched on was just the the out-of-touch and weird problems of the, the rich and famous, which I <laughs> yeah. found funny. Um, Jennifer Aniston saying, like, this is like being in TMZ. Because she keeps Googling the people near her and saying, like, all right, this person is, like, a Japanese ski instructor who left Cavendish for his 73-year-old uncle who's a billionaire. And, you know, stuff like that. Which is real stuff that happens, but it's also stuff that doesn't matter to real people. Because once you're that rich, you are not a real person. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, they become tropes at that yeah. point. It, it was interesting to see, you know, Adam Sandler, who is rich in real life, do a good portrayal of, like, stuff like, uh, the, the like, holy shit, they have bars on planes now? Um, and, like, go start a drink. Um, and then, uh, he's like, his response to is, my mom would have loved this. And he, he, like, someone looks at him kind of quizzically, he goes, oh, she was an alcoholic, but, like, a nice one. Yeah. Uh, like, which is a very, I don't know, kind of middle-class thing to say. And, like, they don't really know how to interact with these rich people either. Oh, yeah, like, they're so embarrassing, you know? Like, like the, the, for the most part, there's nothing they should be embarrassed about. Yeah. But because they're out of place and because people, the rich people, are being genuinely shitty to them, they feel embarrassed, which I've, I've felt that before. I've had that situation happen. Yeah, I get it. Where they're like, <laughs> my favorite one being... uh I got. I would get invited to these mixers and stuff when I was running a bar, um, but I was twenty three, and then a lot of the times they'd be like, "Are you I'm like, are you supposed to be here?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, you guys invited me." And then like they'd they'd do the the old guard jokes and talk about stuff, and like, "Why are you here?" And try to make me uncomfortable. I'm like, "I ain't." And until one time I asked why someone else was there because he was like sixty, and then he's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, you're doing the same job as me, and I'm twenty three." Seems like maybe you should move on, not me. And then the guy got really pissed off and shouted at me in the middle of it. But, you know, there's stuff like that. People would try to make you uncomfortable because it makes them feel good because they're shitty people. That's what rich people do. All rich people are bad. Um, and that's part of uh, the talk of this. Every single person is a relevant, like, candidate for murder in this. Yeah. Yet, the police suspect the only people who have no reason to do it. Yeah. Poor people. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I just I like that they did that on purpose. Um Yeah, I thought that was pretty well done. But to be fair, Nick does commit quite a few crimes in this. Yeah, I mean he's a cop and he's a bad one. Um I, I like the dynamic between him and his friend His partner. His partner. Yeah. What's that other guy's name? His his partner says like, yeah, I, I'd bury a body for you. I'd cover up a body for you. Um, when Nick is wanted for murder, he calls him up. He's like, hey, I need you to track this phone. I need you to do stuff for me. So he's, like, letting him 
Uh, his name is uh, Jimmy Stern in the movie. He's played by Eric, Eric Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I, again, the, the trope of the bumbling cops who cover up for their buddies. Yeah. That, yet um, again happens in an Adam Sandler film. I was actually surprised to see Adam Sandler play a cop because of that. Yeah. Um, but they did basically show he does one smart thing ever. Um, which is he buys two burner phones and asks uh, the person to track them, which is something police, I think, can kind of do. But, you know, yeah, they, they probably took a little bit of a royalty with it. I don't know if they could do it in, like, Italy. But uh, other than that, he can't shoot a gun correctly. He is not good at investigating stuff. He does not, when they learn he's a detective, he does not take control of the situation. He tells everyone to wait for the authorities and go back to their rooms and someone else gets murdered. Which is probably what you do when an international murder happens. definitely what you should do, yeah, for sure. But, like, you might also want to, like, search people for a gun, maybe. Or, like, I know the general had a gun, but, like, you know, check to see if anyone's blood on me. I don't yeah. know. There, there is other stuff you could do in this situation. But other than that, he abuses his power a few times. He talks down to people. Um, in situations. So basically he acts like a real cop um, in it, including the fact that he doesn't know how to solve a crime. Yeah, the person who ends up solving the crime really is a hair, his wife. Yeah, who and he gets angry and says... Uh, you're just a hairdresser or something yeah, yeah. like that, he says to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that whole aspect interesting because there's things where like he says multiple times like people are simple, their motivations are simple. This is like... 90% of the time when a wife gets murdered, it's the husband who did it. Uh-huh. It's stuff like that, whereas Jeff Harrison says people are a little more complicated than that. And the, the simple answer is incorrect. And the idea, too, that people are fundamentally simple is a cop thing of people are simple in large numbers. Individual people are not. That's a... There's a term for that, but it's just a fault of statistics. Yeah. You can, you know, it's one of those things of chances are if you saw all eight Harry Potter movies, you're a 25 to 33 year old white woman individually. There's no way to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel slightly called out. I haven't seen all of them, but (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that's true. And just, like, as a side note, there are so many things that we take for granted in terms of, like, forensics mm-hmm. that are not scientific at all. Yeah. Um. So, go ahead and look into that. That'll be a fun little rabbit hole for you to dive down into. Uh, when, when, who is going to entertain you when we're gone? Wikipedia will. Actually, uh, go, go check uh, Robert Evans' Behind the Police miniseries. Yeah. On that. Um, it's definitely very good. And on that note, though, I really did like the fact that uh, Adam Sandler's character in this, you expect him right away. He's a detective. He's going to take charge in this situation. The fact that he doesn't makes the movie so much better. Yeah. Because watching a good detective solve a a mystery, it can can be fun. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't remember the last time I enjoyed that movie. Um, cause that's like, what if Knives Out followed, uh, that one guy the whole time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it would be an okay movie. Yeah. But it wouldn't be great. Instead, they have him dress up like Magnum P.I. 
and Inspector Gadget, and probably one or two I didn't <laughs> notice. He oh um like a almost like a James Bond. Oh yeah yeah he he goes into a tux at the end. Yeah, yeah but James Bond isn't a. He is a detective, basically. He's not my six. He's a spy. Yeah, well, spies, but like international detectives that aren't following the law. Um, there is a good part where he jumps in a Ferrari to chase someone, and he gets <laughs> on the wrong side because he's used to America. Yeah, it's really um, funny. But the the twist on it is what I'd expect actually from Adam Sandler the the super cop movie is more likely to happen in Hollywood, and it is a worse take on the movie. Yeah. Um, Because there's nothing more unrealistic than the, I'm going to solve this case no matter what, here's how I do it. Because that never fucking happens. That's not what happens in those things. Yeah. I mean, Um, we can't give him, like, a lot of credit for the actual movie itself, mm -hmm. but this is a very smart move, I think, for Happy Madison... Um, and for their deal with Netflix. Like, this is just a fun movie to sit back and chill to. Yeah, um, that and their, uh, they picked up a screenplay from, uh, someone that was good. Yeah. The producer is, or the director is, uh, the guy who did, uh, Workaholics, which I don't know where that went in the last, like, five seasons, but the first two seasons were really good. I'm not saying the last five were bad. I'm saying, like, I didn't watch them because I stopped having Comedy Central. But people who make good stuff should probably get more stuff made. I'm happy they're spreading out a little. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that, like, Robert Smeagol is working on a different movie and Dugan's working on a different one. And they're they're going to make more movies. Yeah. I, I kind of hope they don't get, like, huge. I like their, like, two movies a year type thing. You know, the A and B squad type uh-huh. thing. But I would love to see them do, like, a... A, B, and indie thing. Like, take take and give money. Like, they could afford to give a few million dollars to a small yeah. group and put it on Netflix. Or, like, yeah. a game company. Or maybe even like, if... Like, it, maybe just, like, a like a, like a husband-wife game company team that makes, you know, small leftist indie games. Or that, the fact that maybe they're writing a, uh, a few scripts their way. I'll fucking make Maybe a someone who knows, I'll like, a it. lot. About Happy Madison. Yeah. Um, so on that note, tomorrow we're going to have a special guest, Sean Cohn, who knows a lot about Happy Madison. Yeah, you might know Sean Cohn from his video, The Sandlerverse, <laughs> which he made back in 2016. And then, uh, he, uh, right, 2016? I think it was 16, 2016. Uh, but yeah, this viral video. <laughs> it's very what? good. If you yeah. like uh, Brian David Gilbert's unraveled series Mm -hmm. you would like this video yeah if you like charlie day's character when he's trying to solve the fact (laughs) that his boss isn't real and you like brian david gilbert you will really like sean con actually if you have listened to this podcast you will like if you fucking made it to episode 59 and you haven't seen that video you're an anomaly (laughs) or like my mom like there's no there's no different way yeah uh so go watch that. Uh, um, because uh, tomorrow we will be showing Sean something he asked for four years ago, which is the extended Sandlerverse. We've taken his cause to watch all the Sandlerverse movies, and we've expanded it to really, I think, its outer limits. I don't think you can go farther. 
No. Um, it involves science. It involves Shaquille O'Neal. It involves <laughs> heaven and hell. And my own personal hell. Bucky Larson. Uh, I don't like... Where's the whiteboard? Is Bucky Larson in it? I, I told you to write down Bucky Larson. I No, Bucky Larson is in the... We're not gonna, let's not spoil things. What if we change our minds? We're still working on this. Yeah. Um, again, we put one... I, I hope someone listens to this in like three years. Uh, and they're like... If someone didn't realize we were doing this daily for the first 60 and then we're going to do it whenever a movie comes out. Yeah. It must be like very wild. They're like... <laughs> you guys don't even... Our issues are still happening. My, my computer's still destroyed from three episodes ago <laughs> because you can't solve it that quick. It's gotten worse since then, in fact. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it hasn't gotten worse. You've just learned that it's worse. Either way. <laughs> I feel like it's worse. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to be on with our special guest for episode 60 tomorrow. The last episode, kind of. Not really. Last episode until the next episode. But yeah. What are we watching with, Sean? The Wrong Missy. I know nothing about it. it... Netflix did a preview, so I know the premise now. Oh, don't I tell know, me. I know. No, don't what... you say anything. I will not listen. I just know what it means. I know what the title means. Yeah, um, I promised you the mystery of why this cat is also expensive. It's because he ate a needle and thread and pooped it out. It was the most shocking thing I've ever witnessed come out of a cat's butt. <laughs> and that's yeah. why he's very expensive and also now this computer stuff yeah that was a bad day when he we saw him pooping out a needle it, that wasn't good it is still like in my mind I don't know how it happened I, it went through his whole body and just out the other side just out. and I called the vet and they are like if he's eating food and he's not bleeding don't bother <laughs> that was yeah. okay yeah, don't, don't fucking call us. We're busy. I also said. had to take him on New Year's Day to the emergency vet. <sighs> now he eats special food, which is very wet because apparently cats don't drink water. He doesn't drink water. That one's fine. Yeah. Anyway, that's a long... I promised I promised you that I would tell you. I think we're done. So you can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. And you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. What's our murder mystery game? Do we have one? No. I don't know, just try to try to kill your friends. Good. In Minecraft. In Minecraft, it's a good game. <laughs> uh you can buy Moon Punk for fifteen dollars. Do that. Uh or or get the hard copy and spend thirty. Or soft cover. You can go between. Twenty dollars get you a soft cover. That's fine too. We we just make we make more money on the PDFs. <laughs> That's yeah, we all. Do. Um you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash games. But instead, why don't you buy yourself a nice shrimp dinner? Gross. Shrimp's evil. Um, no, give your money to the Veil Project and the ACLU. And, like, maybe write a letter to, uh, you know, whatever executive comes to mind and just tell them to fund our movie. I haven't written it yet, but, like, that seems like a fun thing for people to do. It's just, like, kind of, just, like, vaguely harass the CEO of a company. Not a movie company, necessarily. Like, Frank's Red Hot. What are they up to? Funding my movie. The Frank's Hot. <laughs> Frank Hot presents a Happy Madison production. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the name of the movie. <laughs> You can 
see me tweet about odd product placement at, at Joska. You know, see me have my like quarterly breakdown at Kitty Crusade. Take my wife, please. What quarterly breakdown are you doing? I don't know. I, I've been thinking about Ocean Man a lot lately. I told you this was going to happen. 